immature, unlikable, underachieving, pathetic. But enough about me. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. Hi, this is the A to Z Podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. A to Z Podcast. Come and get me! Slash A to Z Podcast. Shouts to seeing the honeymoon girl. And the fine folks at American Fireworks say it's not really fireworks season, but they love Christmas time. It's a great time to get gift cards. Stop in the store in Hudson. Tell them A to Z sent you. They've been known to take care of people who do that. Uh, We'll play a little... Cleveland Whiskey, Obscure Browns Player of the Week. We'll um, maybe play some Glory Days. We'll maybe talk a little um, baseball. I don't know. Dre, where the hell are you Come and get me! (laughs) Um, God bless you all. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, please celebrate it and stop getting up and and high for these Sundays. Um, we, We don't pat ourselves in the back because we get just as many things wrong as everyone else. But I did send a text to the one and only glorious Zach Jackson, who needs you before Christmas, to buy his book. <laughs> I did text him. I did text him right before the game, about 35 minutes, 45 minutes before the game. We were having an actual natural conversation that A to Z has. And I think I said something to the words of, good luck with this one, buddy. It's about to be a shit show. I don't know what I text, but it was basically that. How did we know it? Like, that's the sad thing. And I got to say this. And everything you were saying, that was a great intro. I know you thought about that on the radio. You thought about that when you were on the tarmac, hoping that you were lived back to your mom's basement tonight. Because um, all those things are the Cleveland Browns, unlikable. I mean, when Terry Pluto comes on our pregame show and calls the Browns unlikable, yeah, like it's different when we say it. Like, I, I get it. Like, we have, there's a group of people, younger people, that like us but hate us. And that's fine. We get it. We don't really like most of you guys anyway either. So it's perfect. It's how we all feel. But I get that it's, it's a different thing when it comes from us or it comes from Anthony Lima or it comes from Ken Carmen because if it comes from Ken Carmen, you know, all has went wrong. And I'm not putting anybody down. But when you hear the words that I heard from Jim Donovan today on the radio, and this is Monday, and when Terry Pluto comes on, our, on the pregame show with myself and Greg Brenda and Mike Snyder and Munch, like, I'm with, the, I'm, with the, I'm with the old bunch on Sunday mornings for pregame, right? Like, I'll admit it. I'm with the, you know, I'm with the guys that your dad's dad's listened to. And I don't know why they got my black ass in there. It must be something that Trump made him do when he got became president. But I'm there, and they paid me. So, you know, God bless. You know, I don't wear the red hat or nothing, but it is what it is. And when Terry Pluto comes on <laughs> and just goes, they're not very likable, guys. I think that's very telling of where the Cleveland Browns are right now. You don't have to like what we've been saying. You don't have to like what, what Lima is saying. You don't have to like what whomever you don't like and whoever you blame in the media Terry Pluto plays about down the middle is about anybody in this, in this, on this planet, right? Because he's got to say something nice because we know he's got 15 more books he's got to write before he goes. I thought when I heard him say that yesterday, <laughs> that it was like right then and there. I was like, I can pack it up. I can just, you guys can talk to me at the end of the season. But I will say this. I'm long-winded here because my man's jet lag. You probably don't know what day it is, what time it is. No different than any other Monday. <laughs> you, did a good jo- you, did, you did a good job on your article. Because you touched emotions um, that I didn't want to go to. You touched emotions and feelings that are all too familiar. Um, I've been on those flights. Uh, I've been on a fl- I was on the flight in 2007, coming back from Arizona, um, where their playoff spirits were dashed way differently. But it's just not a good feeling. And I think in the five years I've done the Indians, um, I think I've texted you one or two times 
this flight feels like a Browns flight, right? Yeah. So when you wrote your article last night, and I know you didn't do this on purpose, and it all hits us all differently because we've all had different experiences. It hit me differently because for all the jokes we make, all the, you know, all the T-shirts we can make off of all the silly things we say, I thought of a group of people that I know were getting on that plane last night coming back from Arizona, and I know how bad it is, where you barely want to make eye contact, you're looking down, it's like hearing your parents fight the whole time and you're in the back of the Winnebago driving to Florida. Um, it's just an uncomfortable, you know, we, make, we laugh about, you know, December or Berea, but it's not very comfortable for all the people that are just working their job, trying to make, make the most of their life. Yeah. No, <clears throat> so I got in the locker room and, you know, guys don't want to talk and what the hell do you ask them, right? So, right, right. Um, you know, even though I end up asking Odell one question, I just, you know, kind of carved out my corner out of the way and watched. And it's just the eyes and it's, you know, these are real lives here. I mean, the assistant coaches make a lot of money, but not enough that they don't need to work next year. Right? Right. They know. Right. Not enough, let, me, let, me, let me add on. Not enough to have their kids secured where they're going to school yes. next year. And, yes. and I think that's the other thing people get into. I know from my job, like, dude, like, like there's a lot that comes to life just like for the rest of you guys. Just because they're calling football plays, imagine – having to go home to your wife and, and your kids are excited about Christmas and you're just sitting there going, yeah, I, I don't know where we're going to be living in three months. I don't know what our lives are going to be. Like, that sucks. And that happens a lot in Berea. Well, look, we got time to go over that. Um, yeah. We, we know what the coach is and, and we know how the guys have struggled and the dynamic has been awful. And I definitely want to get into Njoku and their four Higgins and Avery and, and all these other guys. But I want to say this. You know, John Dorsey came on two years and two weeks ago, and um, he did what you've always called the easy part, right, which is get rid of the other guys, right? right? Now, yep. Yep. in this case, there wasn't, like, high-priced contracts to get rid of because the previous administration had done that. But he said real players, you know, some that offended some people. Um, some people liked it, like everything else, right? The truth's in the middle. It, the team did yep. need, need real players. Um, he didn't have some magic formula to find them, right? He went out and got some guys. Right. Getting Jarvis Landry for a four and a seven is highway fucking robbery. Some worked, some that didn't. That was. But, but here's what I'm trying to say. So by the time that season started, that team had 31 new players, right? It was clearly an upgraded team, struggled to fire the coaches, and it played well last year. And it didn't beat teams with winning records, but the Browns were definitely in a tremendously better place than they'd been in a long time, right? And the arrow appeared to be pointing up no matter how close you were keeping your foot to the break, right, Dre? But my question right, right, now, for sure. my question right now, okay, 31, so 53 minus 31 public school math, that's 22. So does this Got team it. have anywhere close to 22 keepers, or does it need 31 new players all over again? It better because that's part of like, and that's, and you know, and I know that somebody's mocking me on air every day, but there's, they're so bad and so pathetic. I, I laugh at it. Um, the firing a coach every year and the cult, having no culture, you can't do that again. Don't you at least have to, I hate like the one comment that's being made on the radio and television so much. And I, and I understand it. I'm not attacking anyone, but you know, Zach, because you, you and I talk way too much. We keep going on, well, the potential. We, how many times did we hear that this is a playoff potential roster? Yeah. And I, I, may be, I may be quoting you. And you know that I've steadfast been like, yeah, they got a lot of players. That doesn't mean they're going to the playoffs. 
I'm not patting myself on the back. I think we got to check ourselves too. If they do that, if there's a 31 man purge, then the cycle's just getting repeated. And you just said that in two and a half years. Part of the biggest problems that they have, Joel Batonio's quotes post game to me were savage. Were savage. They hit home, Zach, because he was like, he, he said it. We came out flat. He's like, I've played on teams with one win or no wins at this time of the year. You can't do that. They like you can't keep cycling 20, 30 guys out because when it goes and gets tough, you don't know who you can trust. Right? Like they don't like everybody goes to their own corner when shit's not right with this franchise. When when things are tough, like the Q word was thrown around a lot, quit yesterday. And you guys know I don't like saying it, but if I was gonna say it, I would say it about yesterday. I don't. And I don't know if it's because I think there's, and I've always said, and I've said it a million times, and everybody doesn't agree with me, it's okay. I feel like there's a couple different buttons of quit when you're a professional athlete. And physically, to play football at the level that they're at, to win, you have to be willing to give up every limb and every digit on your body. And I think that it is human nature when you realize you have no chances in a snowball's hell, I think human nature in your brain makes you go, you know what? I'm going to be careful. I'm not saying it's right. Does that, does that make sense? But I just think that's naturally what our minds do. There's only a special few that will go 110% no matter the situation, especially in the climate of the world that we live in with athletes, are you saying, in my opinion. Are you saying that human nature plays into this, that these are real human beings, and when the atmosphere sucks <laughs> and when the chemistry sucks – and when guys are out for themselves, that other guys start to realize that and, and act accordingly? Are you, are, you, are you making that outrageous <laughs> statement? I am. Well, why do you think we watch all those Popeyes, those fights in Popeyes over chicken sandwich? I was told. The same thing, right? Because <laughs> people are fucking hungry, that's why. <laughs> right, and that motherfucking chicken ain't ready. Stop, I got to punch somebody. Or like the guy, or when you see like the person at McDonald's get something thrown at them and they snap, like the manager snaps. Because it's like natural, like your mind naturally can only take so much shit. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, we, we bubbled over it a little bit. The Chris Smith situation was you just, just not how you run things as a franchise. There are players on every NFL roster, and I know those rosters are people don't sleep trying to figure out how the 53 best men and the guy that you can hide on the practice squad. I respect, I respect the hustle to keep a, a roster together and to, and to build with it. But every team every year has situations going on the public isn't aware of, and you may hold on to a guy. You may keep a guy on, on, on the practice squad. You may put him on IR, but you take care of him because there's some other shit going on. Remember, you were, weren't you covering Cincinnati when the defensive lineman from Penn State went through something and they put him uh, – I can't think of his name yeah, right Devin now. Still. And his Devin daughter Stone. was yeah. – Devin Stone. Yes. Like, in the Cincinnati like, – like, these things add up, Zach. When we don't see camaraderie, when we see – I mean <laughs> – I mean, when you, did you hear Kareem Hunt today? I know you were flying, so I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, I wasn't there. But Kareem but I, Hunt I did see so, the video when I got back. I know. Yeah. yeah. But his quote is so damn honest. How is he like for a guy? And I'm not putting Kareem down. I think he's. I think it's. I think it's telling that a guy that's only been allowed to be in the locker room for like three months is basically telling everybody, "Yeah, everybody don't play hard on this team." Yeah. Dude, that's alarming. That is alarming. Hey, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's been to dark places, and it's all Kareem Hunt's doing, right? But in this yep, case, right. guys, Kareem Hunt has played on another team. He's been in another yep. organization. 
his words matter at this point. Yep, 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 (laughs) yep, yep. You're right. You're preaching. I'm not mad at him. It opened my eyes because you have so many guys. Like, the Freddie thing that he keeps going to with players that he doesn't agree with, I think this is where we can go into what you were saying with all the players. Look, it's okay for a coach and players not to see eye to eye. I think that's the pinnacle of, 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 of any relationship. The best relationships you can you can push a little bit, right? You can you don't have to see eye to eye on everything, but there's a respect. But when he keeps going, ask Demarius how I feel about him, or ask this guy. Like I, he and I look and I hate doing this. I hate piling on comments made in press conferences because Lord knows his choice is made from one to four or four to seven. Say say enough for Freddie Kitchens right now. <laughs> yes, but he keeps man. going back to the, like he keeps you know, but he keeps going back to certain comments where I like. Like my, I shudder because I'm like, dude, stop saying that. There's obviously a dis, there's a disconnect in your conversations with your players. You have the right. You have the and, and I don't know who's making the the 47 man list. I don't know if that's John Dorsey. I don't know if that's the head coach. I don't have a problem with the tight end not being. I, I hear like I know it's sexy to be like, oh, you know. Well, does anybody bring up when we talk about Hollywood Higgins that he plays the same position as your two best players on your team? and none of them are good, good at the slot, and they don't like making Landry exclusively a slot receiver. Have you heard anybody mention that part of the situation with Higgins? And uh, what's, the, what's the kid that's the no, all dude from the Rams? That's mostly because they're in a different formation every damn time they break the huddle. So it's sure. hard to track okay. who's where and what works. <laughs> I got you. Fair, but you, fair enough. But, like, I, like, some of it is, obviously, you've made a guy the head coach that always dealt with maybe – five guys, six guys, most in a room. Yeah. And now you want him to be in charge of 53 and a coaching staff. And one of the biggest things about being a head coach or a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator or even a special teams coordinator is that you have to learn how to control a room. And I hate using the word control. But when you're in leadership, don't you, isn't control a part of being a leader? Um, we'll ask Brody Jackson that in two more weeks and see how his team's doing. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and I think that's difficult for Freddie. Freddie's not ready to command the entire room. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I, to me, that's my opinion from yeah, afar. No, when listen, I, can see- I, think, I, I think you're saying things there that everyone sees, right, that doesn't need to be around. Um, I think right. the most telling thing is, I think the most important slash telling, I don't know if either of those are the right word, but they're both in the neighborhood, is what you said. Every team, every level in America, I don't care of the sport, there are guys that don't see eye to eye with the coaches. There's an assistant coach that she no. thinks so-and-so should be playing, but the head coach likes the other guy, right? Exactly. There's a second exactly. stringer. Who knows? You can't lie to the players, first of all, because they know. No. You know? Yep. They know who's in the meetings. They know who's in the practice, and, and that's why, you know, you guys right. earn. And I think in some cases they've tried to do the right thing and say the guys that have the right attitudes are going to get more time. But like right. when it just comes to a point where you got so many of these guys, and Higgins, who's yeah. who's just a guy by any athletic measure, but clearly, yeah, but clearly has a rapport with the quarterback and has produced for the quarterback, and the quarterback is the most important person. Man, that's mystifying. And Njoku is who he is, is, and what what he did or what he said or or all of the above must have been bad for him to be a healthy scratch. At some point, the staff has to get those guys on board, or it's a lost cause. And this thing looks like a lost cause, right? I mean, an NFL game yeah. is not supposed to be over eight minutes in, but yesterday's game was over eight minutes in. 
And it's happened and it's happened against the Patriots, who you should have yes. been up for because they were the Patriots, and it's happened against an Arizona team who lost six in a row. And like I said this on the radio we've always said this. I love when we play the when we all do it, when we play the schedule game and we mark off like and we and like you and I we've done a bit on it. Where everybody was like, Ed, you guys gotta realize we're the homecoming game for everybody else. And Arizona had acted that way, did they not? Like they came, they were like, "Oh shit, we got the Browns. Let's go!" Well, listen, when, when Kyler turns the corner every single time and sees nothing but green, he thinks right. he's playing Tulsa, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, here's the one thing. Here's one thing. I don't know this. This is another outside looking in. This is another leadership thing. And Lord knows we got enough coaches that listen um, to this podcast. I don't know this for a fact. But when I see so many of these offensive players and, and guys like Demarius Randall kind of shoot off at the mouth and continue to have issues with the head coach for whatever they are, doesn't that play into how Odell Beckham was treated from the very beginning? Like rule-wise, when you start making special rules rules for one guy or two guys or three guys, the quarter, but you know, I think if you don't have command enough respect then you have no respect from everybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, but like, I, I, they I feel, still but Dre, I'm not I saying it's okay. Think, I still don't think where Odell Beckham was on May 17th has much to do with the play to this Brown season. Yeah, I, well, on most franchises, you're absolutely right. In this franchise, they have to follow the steps still. Like, you know, like, I, it's like for my kid, teach my kid how to ride a bike. With my daughter, I had to put, like, she was, she wasn't, she was going to follow the rule book. She's a, she's a woman. She's a female through and through. She wanted me to put on, you know, she wanted the helmet. She wanted to have the training wheels on, and she wasn't messing around. And when she finally did take the training wheels off, I had to put my hand on the seat and jog and run behind her until she was 100% sure she wasn't going to fall down. With my son, who has no fears, he never wanted to even have the freaking training wheels on, and he really didn't. And he just busted his ass four or five times and was pissed when I tried to hold him up. My point is, like, no matter who you're parenting, they're all different. You have to be able to parent them differently. But if you're not there for them and they don't trust you, then you got no chance to leave them. And, well, like, so, right, you're right that Odell what – what Odell did in May is what – hey, they bought into that. It's not Odell's fault. But you do have to have some accountability with every man and be able to, for every man to look you in the eye and respect you. This team doesn't come off like a team that respects anybody but themselves. If our man, every man is for himself. If our team still needs parented, then perhaps we shouldn't be going out and trading for Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham and thinking that we're ready to play with the big boys. Right? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Sticks but we get excited league. early, man. <laughs> right. We get excited early, though. And that's the thing. You gave – and I don't – look, it's not John Dorsey's fault either. You gave John Dorsey the keys. Like, they've been begging. Like, it's just like when the previous ownership handed the keys to uh, the Walrus, to Holmgren. Yeah. Like, you keep handing the keys, but you got you have to do it part of it. Until you build who you are, and I hate going through this, but I'm going to keep saying it. Like, these guys are just doing what they're paid to do, and they're doing exactly what we would do in jobs. You give us a ton of – you give me a ton of rope and a ton of money, I'm probably going to take up a ton of rope. No, that's, that's exactly right, and it's clear – with the quarterback that the checks and balances don't add up right no no his mechanics have slipped his body language is awful his numbers are awful you know um 
it's all bad. It's all bad with the quarterback right now. Yeah. I, and I'm not, Kyle, Kyler Murray looked better than he did yesterday. It shouldn't be that case. And, and I, listen, I'm sick of hearing like team, they, every team in this league you get to an egg because you lay one, right? You get your ass kicked right, one day. Right. And whether it's you don't have your right. guys or it's a bad matchup or the other team just brought its A game and stunned you early and the ball didn't bounce your way, it happens, right? But, like, this is three times they've gotten blown out of the gym. This is four double-digit yeah. losses. And and this is a little yeah. thing, but this sums it up. We we know about the T-shirt and we know about the guys chirping and all that stuff, and, and it's just a symptom of the whole overall culture. But remember a few weeks ago when the Ravens, um, there was a T-shirt on the sideline, and it said, nobody cares, work mm-hmm. harder, <laughs> right? Yep. And over here, right. the coach is wearing the Pittsburgh started it shirt a week later. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, right. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, man. It, it just, there's so many things to it. Like, I, like, how about this? The game was so bad, no one has talked about or brought up Jarvis throwing the back ball the ball back five yards. Like it was like it was Tecmo ball or like it was like right. slam sandlot football. He threw Backyard it back to Baker Mayfield. Right. Like what the fuck is going on? Like come on, like like that's that you can't do that. Like that's not what I what did I text you? I actually and like as much as you're get off the lawn, I'm old, the game needs to be played a certain way with basketball. I said to you, this reminds me of what you were bitching about with basketball yesterday. You can't do that. And I love Jarvis Landry. But, like, it's obvious that there's no, like, there's no rule. Like, he's got to play, doing whatever the hell they want. The scheme has no, has, it's, it's unbelievable that they kicked this season to the, just did what they did with this season. They, they could have the same exact record, and we could feel great about the Cleveland Browns. I truly feel, feel that way. Like, you can, I can accept. I can accept my team. I can accept the team losing. I can accept a team getting beat by another team who made more plays when it mattered. I can accept an injury hurting my – speaking of, man, Miles Garrett deserves like $200 million a game. If I was his agent, I wouldn't play again. Like, not only do they have no pass rush with them, they got no run defense without him either. And he's not great against the run yet. Like, have you seen a deep one player? And, like, it's amazing because it's defense, and none of us know how to read defense perfectly. But it's amazing to me, Zach, that without that one – and I know there's other injuries, but – and the defense wasn't great with them. But it's a huge difference not having them out in the field. Two, a two scary of the three, huge difference. Two of the three defensive – two of the three healthy defensive ends were not in the league when Miles swung the helmet. And the other one is Chad Thomas. Right. You know, I mean. Why? Wow. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it, sums up, it sums it up very well. Yeah. Um, the defense is – you know, I saw Ken Carmen tweet this out, and, it, and I got a couple of things, and it's true. I didn't think of it, so I'll give him credit. You know, he basically said, isn't it amazing that the Browns have played in the NFC West this year? Their defensive coordinator was the head coach in the NFC West this year, and they had no chance against the, the, three, the four teams. Now, in saying that, those four teams, that's, a, that's maybe the best division in football right now. Oh, no doubt um, You hit the NFC – yeah, you hit the NFC West at the wrong time. Like, like you're, you're going to have some battles against all four of those teams anyway. But as I read that, I gave ten, I thought about it, I give Ken credit. You never went in those games feeling good about it or comfortable, even though you had a guy that was a head coach against them last year. And I know things change, but usually there's some insight, there's something that can make a game entertaining or close, and we don't even have that advantage. All right, so I, I do want to talk about some other things because there's only so many things we can yeah. say here. And later in the week, 
we'll we'll talk some Lamar and some Ravens and state of things. But I need to tell this story. So um, Glendale guys is way out, thirty or so minutes from downtown Phoenix. And what I've learned, um, having been there twice this year, the NFL meetings were there. It's kind of the population bases the other way. It was bizarre. Um, yeah. Yep. It was desert land, and they took it. And even like where actual Glendale is is not where the stuff is. They basically because we were out there the very first year it was open. No. Right? right. Remember they were just right, right. building stuff around yeah. the clock to get it done by the Super Bowl to have like restaurants. How, open, right. How right? crazy? How crazy is it? How different it is though when we went out there in 07 to yeah. now. It's so, like it's like night and day. Right. So knowing that, um, I went ahead and right away when the schedule came out and booked in Glendale because I love to be able to walk to the stadium and I was pumped. Long story short. The first flight I needed got changed. It was a pain in the ass. I ended up getting an extra day in Arizona out of it, so I can't complain, right? Just how I had to change right. the flights and, and do that. So it was real. It was a nice hotel, and it was really low-key, and uh, it was just great. It was still cold at night, but it was just great to see the sun and, and hang out. I knew a couple people out there, whatever. So um, I, the only people sitting at the pool were Ohioans, right, because it's like 65 degrees. To us, it yeah, was yeah. like 95. Yeah, we love that. Yeah, but there was like right. what I'm trying to say is there was not a peep around. So I come down yesterday morning to meet Tom Reed to walk over to the game, and they're throwing a tailgate party, and they've got like this Bloody Mary bar in, in the hotel lobby yeah. and a DJ, and people are coming in and yeah. out, and it's wild. And there's Browns fans, and there's Cardinals fans, and there's people just wearing Oklahoma gear, and I mean everywhere, like everywhere. There, there's 500 people in this hotel lobby where there hadn't been a total of 30 for my previous two and a half days there. Right. So I yep. actually was on a red eye. So we I, I checked out of my room, left my bag there after the game came back and just kind of hung out in the lobby, watched a little bit of the Steelers, finished my work and went to the airport. So um, as I'm in there, it's half the same people and they've been drinking all day. Right. And it's loud and there's no more DJ. There's no more <laughs> Bloody Mary bar. I might have d- dove in. But. It's it, there's still a lot of people and they they're obviously inebriated. So I hear this screaming, Dre, the screaming from maybe thirty feet away. And like I said, I, I, I'm kind of over in an area. There's maybe ten people huddled around a TV, and I'm kind of sitting behind with my laptop on my lap. And I see like this seventy-ish year old guy in Oklahoma gear with this look on his face, and he is getting screamed at. And this guy is no. telling him, "Baker sucks." He ain't done shit in the NFL. Screaming, right? So I get uh, up and come around uh. the corner to make sure there's not going to be a brawl. Like, I see this guy is like 70. <laughs> and I come around the corner, and it's like a 50-year-old in a Browns jersey who's just going around to random uh, people telling him what he thinks about Baker <laughs> Screaming. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. And it's really well, not funny because it was dangerous and it was obviously completely rude. But uh, my first thought once I realized everything was okay is, God, I can't wait to tell this story on the podcast. And, and it's perfect, though. It's the perfect story. Because that's what happens when you're with the Cleveland Browns. You fight amongst yourselves. You fight each other. Like, you, you're so frustrated, you're so mad, and it doesn't add up that you, you you fight yourselves. It's an uncanny disease that we all have in watching this team. Actually, that is a great people story. that I recognized from the California trip. They were friends of friends, and I met them on the California trip, and I saw them in the hotel lobby. I mean, God bless them. They apparently have a lot of money and a lot of time. But these are the two games right. they went to. Congrats to them. Right, right, <laughs> right. And you can't blame them. You get excited for this shit. Well, you know, yeah. there's people that put their – I see this – you know, like, this is this is what they – like, why would you not? That was a great idea six months ago, right? Yeah. 
that was a great that was the best idea ever six months ago right you know yeah, i mean my car was covered with snow when i got back this morning yeah <laughs> right i mean i can't blame them but at the same time when i see their faces during the game i like shake my head at them you know like there was a guy in the front row that had a helmet on it looked like a jackass you know because he had like the uh gary player not the gary player who was the kicker we had that had the, the scott player yeah. he had the scott player mask on and i'm just like dude like and he was so you could tell like one of the, on one of the uh, Kenya Drake touchdowns. You could just tell that he was just like he was done with life, and I wanted to make fun of him. And then, I, like, and then I was just like, "Well, dude, you, you came to a, a public outing with a with a one bar face mask. How could you expect anything good to come from it? You know." Right. <laughs> uh, like, like, but that's what they do to you on Sundays. You know, they, and you know, we both know it. That's what they do to you. Well, and it's just amazing. And 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 barring a tremendous circle the wagons effort, that, of which there are zero signs. Right. Uh, they will just get it'll be worse because the Cardinals are like a JV version of what the Ravens are offensively. Right. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's well, think about what, what we're going to see this weekend. And we like you said, we'll talk about it. Um, talk for a minute. I got to do something. One thing, because then I can talk about last, I can talk about my Saturday in Columbus. Oh, yeah. So. um I was really interested in this. So Dre went to Columbus for the Brownie James um, versus St. V game. I think there were four games there at Nationwide Arena, which is a great place, by the way. It's right in the middle of the action. They've done an awesome job with the Arena District in Columbus. I've covered um, NCAA tournament there. I actually covered UFC there. The first time yeah. Rousey was main eventing, and he she pulled that girl's shoulder out of her socket from here to Dayton. And uh, it was right there then, but – Dre was there, I'm assuming, because he knows people at St. V. <laughs> Had some good seats. I know you went down with some buddies and your dad, right? And uh, I ended yeah. up watching the game. I ended up just staying in Saturday night and watching the game on the laptop. But you were not the only person texting me saying this place is packed and it's crazy. So It was, yeah. It was a zoo. I actually – it was a four-game setup. Um, and, look, let's just get the, let's get the reality out of the way first, right? Um, is it absolutely insane and crazy? Uh, that a 14-year-old kid is dry, flying around the country playing games uh, on national TV. We'll have 15 games on national TV. Um, absolutely. Is is it insane that there are men finding a way to take advantage and make money off these kids? Absolutely. I think we know the answers to all of those. So I'm not going to sit here and um, – my eyes are wide open is what I'm saying. But at the same time, and, and this is the hard thing in our jobs, is that I grew up in a family much like Zach's, and this is why I think one of the, our first attractions to each other. We've just grown up in sports families, and we grew up in sports families. We got a lot of pride in the city of Akron. Um, we grew up hearing stories about—I I grew up hearing stories about people like Zach's dad and what Zach's dad teams did back when they were coming up. And you know, like, it, and, I, and I know every city's like this, but I have a pride about it. I think in, in Northeast Ohio, but in Akron and Cleveland, I'm not just making it exclusive with Akron, but. If somebody made it out of Akron when we were growing up, Zach, um, you knew what high school, even if they didn't go to your high school, but you knew their stats and you knew somebody that played them, and we went and saw them. From, you know, from Ricky Powers, from Quinton Brooks, from Robert Smith, like, you know, from Desmond Howard, from Elvis Green, you, you name the names. And there's even names out there, Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, there, there's names that didn't make it big, but there are names that when you were growing up, you went and saw them because you, you, from word of mouth, you knew you had to see them play, right? And... I was lucky enough to see LeBron play his first game, I believe, at Cargo Falls, and Mike Maneer was the coach of Cargo Falls. Mike Maneer is now assistant coach for Drew Joyce at St. V. 
I remember seeing LeBron at 14 years old and going, yeah, he's going to be pretty good. And I talked to Drew Joyce last week, who flew – and Joe Varden did a great job talking about the flight Drew Joyce made to California to watch LeBron Jr.'s first high school game. Now, I busted Drew's balls and said he just did it to go scout. But he did want to go see – he wanted to be there because he was around LeBron at the first game. And I was talking about that with my dad on the way down there. And we actually went – and we made a whole day of it. Like, we went, we went and got a good meal – and we went and watched all four basketball games. And it was fun because, for me, throw out all the cameras and the prestige and the, and the craziness that came after, you know, at, at 8 o'clock when the big game was getting ready to start. It was a cool day to hang out with my, with my dad and some really close friends and do what I did when we were 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You know, Zach, you've done – how many times have you sat in a, in a, a, at a basketball arena in, a, in December for eight hours, nine hours, and didn't I make think, anything of it? I think over LeBron's four years – I probably saw 70 games. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And, yes, I got hooked up with some very good tickets. I was sitting I was sitting right in front of LeBron, right behind LeBron the entire night. And I was there four or five hours before he arrived and all the cameras. Um, and throughout all of that, because it was a zoo, it was pretty neat to watch his son play the game of basketball. And at that age – um, and watching my fair share of high school basketball, the kid knows how to play already. And Drew Joyce has said to me three, four days ahead of time, he said, he goes, Andre, at 10 years old, I told Junior he's more skilled than his brother, his dad ever was. He goes, but you still got a lot, you got to work your ass off to make it. But he goes, he has all the skills. And, and it, was, it was fun to watch those skills kind of come to light, um, especially considering, like you said, between us, we about saw every high school game his dad played. Um, and just that whole, just, you could have robbed the city of Akron Saturday night. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I saw the picture <laughs> behind LeBron and I recognized everybody. <laughs> oh, you knew everybody. All of Akron was in Columbus. My dad said that. My dad was like, my dad was like, call home. If you need anything, just tell them Akron is here. I mean, you name, you name them. They were in Columbus at nationwide. Um, I, it was a cool experience. It was, it was a really cool experience. Um, he's got some players. Yeah, I Some thought, young players um, too. Well, I, I hope and I and I think I would imagine this is part of the deal. You know, as as long as he's going to be there, you would think they'll do it every year. You know, hopefully it can be at the queue. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. I thought Sierra Canyon's kids played like they just met each other, which they basically did. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, yep. You're right. So it was so like talented. 12, 12 area codes represented in that game. Three for Saint right. and at least nine on the other side. But right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was an entertaining game. Uh, Malachi Branham is a name if you guys follow basketball at all that you need to know. I know he has the Ohio State offer, Florida Xavier. He uh, he plays for St. V. I was going to say he's an Akron kid, but he's not. But he's an incredible, incredible talent. Um, he's only a junior. You couldn't wait to say. You couldn't wait to say that part. Yeah, well, I just you know I'm just getting my thoughts together here. <laughs> but, yeah, they and then uh, Sierra Canyon gave the seven foot three kid a little run. They got you know this. They don't even give. They don't even get that kid the ball. <laughs> they got a seven three kid. They don't even run plays for. Um, did you read the? I put the article guys on facebookcom slash A to Z podcast Yahoo and forgive me for not yeah. knowing the author's name right now because if, if this was me, I'd be pissed about that. But it was really an in depth look into how this was put together. Yeah. Into LeBron's influence in it, it was very LeBronish. LeBron is going to control LeBron Junior.'s basketball career, uh, but a lot of other things happened. 
obviously these names didn't just come together, but then they didn't just right. come together because you're talking about the one of Brown. You're talking about the one by Jeff and in, in, Jeff Innsberg. Yeah, the one uh, like the Heatles two point yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go it's ahead. on Facebook. I don't want to make you authors mad. I got your back. Go look at there. Um, and it, it it is like I think it is 15 games on the ESPN family and networks, and they play some of these other traveling academies on some. 9 p.m. Fridays or 11 a.m. on Mondays on ESPN2 or ESPNU. Um, you know, I think they gave Brownie a little more run than had planned just because of the situation, but then he was played like a grown-up and played but awesome. He, but he deserved, go it, right? he deserved it, though. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't – I, I know what you there. mean. Um, I, I go off – I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish. I'm no, sorry, I just – you know, it, it's fascinating to see what happens there, obviously, right? And, and just yeah. because – of what his name and what his bloodline is doesn't mean that he's going to be great, but that is a tremendous amount of pressure in ways that most of the public doesn't even realize on a kid there. Right. Not to mention his dad doing what he did. And I'm fine with LeBron doing all that. I mean, he's, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I know. mean, look, there, there was, you know, there's some weirdness to it. It's funny you bring that up. There is some weirdness to it. At yes. All? yes. What's that? There is yeah, some I mean, weirdness well, to in it. The weird, yeah. Well, and the other thing for me, and, and this is, you know, one of those signs of getting old, um, and I won't say names because it, it's not fair. Like, I felt bad for the – like, we've all grown up – we're not all best friends, but we've all grown up together, right? And we're from Akron. Yeah. Like, you and I know – I know that the, one of the officials on the court I've known since I was – shit. Yeah. Ten years old. Right. You know, like, literally. Like, our, like, like, and I'm watching him try to control that situation knowing that he's a really good referee. He's one of the best in Ohio. Just ask him. Stickler for the rules. What's that? I said just yeah. ask him. <laughs> no, he's very good. He's very good. Uh, he is good. But, yeah, just that. But, hey, and he played on one of my favorite high school basketball teams of all time. Was the point guard on that team. Um, I felt like he was in a weird situation, right? Come on, Zach. Like, all of our emotions. Sure. We all got our different emotions about the situation. Yeah. But we all got to kind of – that's why it was fun for me to sit in the front row and just watch the zoo that it was. Like, and it was a zoo. And being, and you know what this is like, being in our jobs, we've been a part of the zoo, right? Right. It was kind of cool to be out of the zoo. Like, and not like, for me, like, I'm texting you, oh, Varg is waiting to try to get a conversation. Oh, uh, your girl just walked in. Like, like I'm sitting there just observing all these yes. people that are in our business, and I'm going, thank God I got nothing to do with this. I'm going back to Kenneth's restaurant and drinking. Like, <laughs> I'm like, y'all can have this. Well, listen, um, I mean, what you're saying is this, like, we've done all these cool things and we are forever grateful. So when you actually get excited and get caught in the moment and, and laugh and think this is really cool, then it is, right? Like, right, I, right. I think, I think LeBron getting in the dunk line in the summer is over the top. I think him jumping yeah. up and down and screaming and coaching and, and falling back over his wife and living and dying with every bounce – the minute and a half left of his of that game is is really cool because that's real. That's not fake. It's not at all. Right. That's not made up. That's not something for HBO that they've rehearsed exactly. fifteen times. Right. It's real. And on the, and on the other hand of that, like, and I'll say this, um, and I don't. I'm not gonna make it a black or white thing. I'm just gonna make it a fathering thing. With so many kids out here that never have a parent at a game, no matter how much you sat on the bench, Zach, it meant something that your dad's mom were there. <laughs> your mom and dad are, are your brothers too big. Are your, your biggest. Your biggest fans are your mom and dad. And um, I know what it meant for me. And I know just I know I've been around a lot of kids. I try to help a lot of kids. Man, when your mom and dad understands and you and you're able to do something in front of them, there's really no better feeling than that. So look, 
he's he doesn't live in the, the world that we live in. Um, so yeah, he gets a little bit more. He, you got to cut him a little bit more slack. But when you see that genuine pride and happiness for his kid, if you have a problem with that, then you just are a curmudgeon and you just aren't a happy person. Yeah, hey, um, <laughs> like, you're right. Speaking of me being a curmudgeon, I, I've said this before. You know, when he left and it became obvious that he had planned this all along, I said, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, whatever. He won the title here. He he earned his free agency. I said my one disappointment is not getting to see Brownie play. But after watching Bang. that, it, in my curmudgeon state, I am much better in the basement and on the lab. Right. I watch those ESPN three games. Yeah. I don't need that. Oh, shit we're gonna watch Yeah. No, you, we got lucky. We got lucky. You're right. Because it would have been, I wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have been fun for us if he would have yeah. played every game in, in Ohio. Yeah, like I. It would have been way better this week. Yeah. So I remember when the worm turned, and it went from you know people knowing about St. V and people going famous people quote or extra media yeah. or games being have to yeah. move or put on pay per view. I remember yeah. when that turned into okay, Deion Sanders is here. Okay, sixty minutes yep. is here. Okay, um, here, yeah. tickets are fifty dollars now. You know, just the yes. ridiculousness that it turned into right. real quick. Right. Yeah, um, and it was, well, it, and it's there already. It's there as a freshman. Yeah, like they like my, my my one buddy that came with me. He kept saying, he was like, I just he goes, what becomes of any of these guys when they go to college? He's like, look at what their high school career is. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I, he was. But I, I tell you what, though, they do have like they could have a line. They could have a front court bigger than anything like Kent State or Cleveland State will see all year. Right. Like they've got some. They got some dudes that look like they could play for Michigan State right now. Take, you know what I'm talking about. If you watch college basketball, big brutes that are athletic that play defense and they'll knock you on your ass. Like they got some Izzo type guys. Where you're like, you're, wow. If then you're they got into a couple of Kansas guys, or specifically the basketball culture at all, take the ten minutes and read that Yahoo article. About about the yeah. building of Sierra King yeah. because it's uh, it's it's fascinating. It really is. I, I don't think I could come up with a better word for that. Um, no. Um, they, let me baseball ask minute. We Go got ahead. to address it. Indians traded Corey Kluber. Um, yeah. You know, I I don't know a ton about it. It feels like this is a precursor to another move. I, I could be wrong with that. Just just your thoughts on on. That. I don't I don't think so. I think I think that's the easy look from the outside looking in. I think this was done so they can keep Lindor. From what I would think, like, don't get me wrong. If the Dodgers blow them out of the water, then Lindor will go to the Dodgers. But this was to get rid of eighteen million dollars. We can comfortably give Lindor sixteen, and we can still go get a second baseman and another relief pitcher. Um, I think trades like the Corey Kluber thing, and like I'm just gonna be upfront. Um, I'm not best friends with Corey Kluber. Uh I would say we're really good acquaintances. Um, I've texted with him since he was traded. I was one of the spokesmen for his foundation. I emceed his event the first two, three years. So I got to know him and his wife away from Progressive Field. Um, so it, I'll be honest, some of the things I'm going to say are a little awkward to say, but I'm getting ready to say. Um, as a person, there's, there's not many better. He's in the Phil Dawson forum of athletes that I've dealt with that I would trust with my life. Um, they don't get much better than that. As a player, uh, I get it. Um, I get that he really hasn't been the same, in my opinion, since 2016's World Series. I know people hear that and they say he won the Cy Young in 2017. Yes, he did. Some of, the rep- some of it had reputation to do with it. Um, but his stuff just didn't have the same fight, didn't have the same look. He stopped throwing one of the best pitches in baseball over the last year, year and a half. 
And in saying all that, I hope he goes to Texas and, and wins 20 games with a 2.50 ERA. But there's no guarantee of that. He's at that mid-38, just like a running back. You don't know how many bullets like, a guy's arm has. And the Indians dealt from strength. Um, they won 93 games last year without him. So tell, um, me if this, they, tell me if this view is right. So, I mean, okay. obviously the Indians are projecting that Corey Kluber's best days are behind him. That's not a personal comment, right? But the, the exactly. Indians, who, who have You're always right. been very good at evaluating pitchers, both young and old, right, are projecting that. Yes. Because Delano DeShields has one rare gift, but he's not. Yep. there's not a guarantee that he's even an everyday major league player. Right, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee. No, there's not a guarantee he's even on the team. Right, right. So yeah, you're right. So that's yeah. what's that's what's heads, that, that's why I say it felt like a bridge to another move, but I don't really know because again, like I'm just well, the old guy griping. Like, well, here's the Bumgarner signs right. when I'm in Arizona, I don't see it anywhere. Right? Like, it's so I baffling. know it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it amazing? Yeah, and that's a big deal in baseball circles, but it's not yeah, in the rest of the world. You guys, here's the, that that is a guy. That, that, that's the airport test, right? If you are a casual sports right. fan, yeah. that yeah. is one of the few major leaguers that if you sat in the airport like I did last night and Madison Bumgarner sat next to you, you know that's Madison Bumgarner, right? Well, you, over the last decade, you bet that's, that's one of the faces of baseball. Yeah. And in fall, you know, like he's one of the faces. He's been Whoa, one of the best in the yeah, league. Yeah, that World Series um, performance was for the ages. Ages, right. He'll go down in the book. We'll never forget that. Um, the last, the other thing with the Indians thing, the, the relief pitcher they got – I've had three different people tell me that aren't related to the Indians. And I had one of the Indians pitchers, one of the starting pitchers for the Indians, I'll just say this, told me one of the nastiest pitchers they've ever seen in their life. I had a scout tell me that he has a chance to be one of the top four relievers in baseball. If he, if he can – he's 21 years old, throws 103 miles an hour, has a 100-mile-per-hour cutter. Um, still young, still figuring it out, has good control for a guy that throws 101. The kid has a chance to be elite. And with and I'm not trying to sell it for the Indians because they it's obviously you got to do more than just get a relief pitcher for Corey Kluber. But they could. I I, I know this. Someone within the organization told me this about last offseason. They were blown away how little teams were willing to give up for Corey Kluber last offseason. They tried. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I know that. Like I said, I, I like they tried. This is the best they could get. And I know with the bullpen rules changing, something that's not something that Terry Francona's happy about. Basically, I don't know if you know the rule, but the rule is if a pitcher comes in, they at least have to throw an inning. That, that takes official? a weapon away from Tito. It's it's coming. It's supposed it, and it's not something managers want. But the point of this is Tito I know has gone to the team and said, if that rule's coming, I need some power arms. I can't mix you, you can't mix him you can't you gotta have guys that can blow people away on both sides. If this kid is what they think he is and he can become what they think he is. You put Karen check, who's got 95, 96 with a killer curve, and you got hand, hopefully you can get back to throwing 95. They're trying to build a bullpen with some big-time arms um, because that's how you got to compete in baseball. And to compete and get those type of arms, you got to do one of two things. you got to pay $10, $11 million like the Yankees are, or you got to get the guys before they become superstars, and you got to find them early. They're hoping they get four or five years out of this kid, he becomes Andrew Miller. If he does it. Um, I mean, it's a lot of pressure on a 21-year-old, but I think that's the way they're looking at it. It also gives them the flexibility to go out and make the lineup better. It's what they better do. Um, because, like you said, the Shields good, can run, hasn't taken advantage of it. At best, Sandy Alomar helps turn him into a Rajai Davis-type player going forward. Right. All right, well, that's enough baseball talk till July. Um, thanks for listening. 
to the Hennessy podcast. Come and get me! Um, all right, listen, guys. So we always do something special for Christmas. We have two ideas, maybe two and a half. Uh, we haven't nailed anything down, so we're not going to give any teasers. But um, this is Monday night as we record this. We will be back later in the week. We'll do our obscure Browns player of the week. We'll talk about some other things. And then hopefully, um, depending on schedules and, and all of that, we will uh, record our one of our – maybe it will only be one. Likely it will only be one, but I don't know. Uh, our interview later in the week or early next week for, for Christmas, Christmas being on a Wednesday, what we'll probably do is – is maybe drop that on Monday and then come back with a post-Christmas podcast. But um, enjoy the time, you know, that you get. Enjoy the season. Uh, not the football season. <laughs> the, the holiday season. <laughs> bowl, season bowl season starts this week. Bowl season starts. Bowl so season that. starts this week. Uh, can't say enough of how excited I am for Kent State and, and Coach Coach Lewis. Um, you know, Saturday there's an NFL triple header. There's like three obscure bowl games. There's one double-A football. There's college basketball. Uh, it's a great time to buckle in and watch some sports. There's a bowl game on Christmas Eve night out in Hawaii, and then you know the NBA season starts next Wednesday at noon. So it be real interesting. Um, it's good good sports watching time. So thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, but mostly thanks to you guys uh, for helping this thing grow. So to everybody, we're appreciative. And um, wait, yeah. wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I keep yelling, "Come and get me." And that fool that put that article out there. I hate doing this to journalists because the one thing I hate about our world right now is you can just say fake news and people don't give credibility to real journalists. Right. And I don't like that. I don't like that. That's bullshit because there's a lot of people out there that do really good work and bust their ass and just because they, they write stuff that you don't like. Uh, we live in a world that you can discredit them, and that's bullshit. Yeah. But the come and get me shit written by like, somebody that will remain nameless, like, put some names on it, man. Stop. Don't do this to people. It's people's lives and careers, and people really believe you because you get to put that logo on your stories. And, like, and, and what's the context of it? Like, if I'm a buddy, if, like, you and I are playing in a pickup game, come and get me might be, I just put three buckets on you in a row. I'm like, come get me. <laughs> Seriously. I've had guys talk shit to me like that. I may be a quarterback, and I may be locking your ass up, and Joe Hayden may, and you may say to Joe Hayden, hey, I'm going I'm to come get, come get me next play. You know what I'm like? And I didn't even read the article, but like, I have a problem with that, Zach. Like, like to just flippantly throw shit out there, and and knowing that you can throw shit out there like that, and it and it kind of sticks to the wall. Um, I don't like that shit. He's I'm gonna leave it at that. I just want to get that out there. He's the last person in the world I'll defend. He's the last person in the world I even want to mention his name, right? But we've we've long said, specifically, a step in the Browns quest back to believable yeah. back to respectability yep. is that every single thing has to quit being believable you're right we'll see you guys very soon on the podcast thing, it should be very thing on that because I, I do want to address this I'm, I'm so tired of the war on the media and you fucking losers who want to be media but trash the media specifically here in cleveland and you know exactly who i'm talking yes. about in many cases here yeah um <clears throat> i do want to say this so yesterday because it was a later start and because i was right next to the stadium uh, I was inside getting some work done, and I saw a tweet from Jay Glazer that said, hey, in five minutes on Fox, I'm going to have video from the Bengals press box. And this story fascinates me, and we haven't talked much about it. Um, but, you know, I used to work for the team. I used to do team-produced stuff, so I know what goes on there. And yeah. this, this seems a little extra, right? This seems very Patriots-like. But anyway, mm-hmm. so um, I turn it on, and 
before they get to that, Jay Glazer does a report, and he says, look, I know what Jarvis Landry said this week, but I stand by 100% my reporting last week. Odell Beckham wants out, and the only the, the reason I can't tell you it's going to happen is because he's under contract in the Browns. Is, um, but, but he wants to do this. So I tweet, hey, if you're not watching Fox, Jay Glazer just doubled down on his report last week, and he basically said facts are facts. And I just want to say this, right. guys. I don't know Jay Glazer. I don't know anything about his background or his rise to an NFL reporting because I think he's known in other circles, right? I, I, right, right. I just I want to give you guys an example. We fight like crazy for more access than our 15 minutes or our allocated mm-hmm. 45 minutes mm-hmm. during the season. 15 minutes is just phraseology, right? Um, right, right. We because we fight like crazy. Sometimes we have to do things like report sources with no names on it. Because that's the culture, no and that's the NFL. But I just want to give you guys no one doubt. example of we go to the, this, the uh, preseason practices with the Colts last year, and we check in, and we go to our one area on the sideline where all the media folks are, and we wait for our 15 minutes, literally, of availability after practice. And in the middle there, wearing no credential, no nothing, is Jay Glazer with both GMs, with both head coaches, with Tony Dungy, with yep. Peyton Manning. Okay, so yep. the guy knows – and the guy he is very, right. very rarely wrong. So I did want to address one of the responses to that tweet was him tweeting that when Jarvis said that is the definition of white privilege. That that person got automatically what? blocked. Congrats. That is the dumbest fucking tweet I've ever seen in my life. What? But I meant to address this last week of, hey, I, I know, you know, the NFL is a business and it's entertainment business and this sells. And, and a lot of times it's not real people, which is why we point out the human nature. But when Jay Glazer has it, guys, it's not by accident. It's not yeah. 1% by accident when Jay Glazer has a report on how a player feels or what went on in a meeting. He had the video from the Bengals. <laughs> right. He don't miss much. Put it this way. Here, I'll put it another way. If Odell completely disagreed with what Glazer was putting out there, he would have got a hold of Glazer last weekend and that would have died. Yeah. Glazer ain't hard to find. Jay ain't hard to find. No. The players know how to get a hold of him. He knows the coaches know how to get a hold of him. Yeah. Yes, he works out with guys in the office. Like they, if 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 there was something false about it, Odell knows how to kill it. Is all I'll say. Yep. All right. He knows how to kill it. All right. Seeing American Come Fireworks, Come Honey Moon Grow, Cleveland Whiskey. Thank you. A to Z podcast.com. Come get them all. Check out that Bronny James article at Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Konnichiwa. Come get me.